I don't think it's bad to make mistakes. I think, you know, if you continually make the same mistake, I think that's, you know, something that, you know, you got to really look at like why that's happening. And so like, you know, over the years, I've, I've got a good base of knowledge to pull from and problem solve. And, and I think that's what's so cool about our sport is if you continue to, um, you know, keep your eyes open and, and continue to be willing to learn it, you can um, progress. And, and if you can help you, like you can achieve incredible things. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 19 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. What an honor it was to sit down for a run chat this week with the great Mike Wardian. Mike's running resume is truly remarkable, excelling at seemingly any distance on any terrain. He's also known for being super approachable and encouraging to all runners, and no doubt why top brands like Hulk One, One, T-Mobile, Nathan, Goo, Polar Global, just to name a few, support Mike's running adventures around the globe. We talked races, adventures, what still excites him, his favorite ultras around the world, proudest accomplishments, how much training is required for a first-time runner trying to dip his toe into the water to take on a 50K or 50-miler, his seven continents and seven-day experiences from the year 2017 and 2019, Mike's currently the only person to run a sub three in Antarctica and averaged 245 for those seven races across seven continents in seven days. Mind boggling stuff. We also chatted about him averaging 231.09 in the six Abbott majors in 2016, where he is the record holder, where he just nudged me out by just a tad with my 315 average, 231.09. Simply amazing stuff. Uh, we chatted learning from mistakes, clean eating, and his seemingly superpower of recovery. We also spent uh, quite a bit of time diving in on how Mike and Dan from Old Dominion Racing came up with the concept for the Cannonball Run Ride to run for the entire year, um, running on the roads, running on trails, or cycling distances over the course of a year, all in an effort to raise more money, a percentage of each person's entry fee goes towards Tommy Rives' family. So that's something near and dear to Mike's heart. Uh, Certainly mine. I've got a team of eight uh, signed up in this thing, and we're just trying to get more people engaged and involved um, so that we can uh, get more participation and hopefully raise more money. And Mike had some great ideas about trying to get high school cross-country teams and other sports whose seasons might be canceled involved. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I really think you all will too. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Hey, good afternoon, Michael Wardy, and welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. It's a huge honor to have you on. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Sorry I was tardy. Oh, it's okay. You, I, and everybody would assume in my audience that you were probably out running like 50 miles this morning or something, but it was first day back at school with the kids and you had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And man, uh, I'm glad I wasn't there trying to put out those fires or deal with the flood and all the other things you had going. So is it all okay now? You're all settled over there? Uh, I think so. And I was actually, I was doing, a, I have to average like 25 miles a day this week. So yeah, so I was doing a big run. My wife's like, Hey, you disappeared for a couple hours. I was like, yeah, I did like 16 and a half miles. So yeah, I was gone for a little bit. 
this and this and these must be fairly regular occurrences in the Wardian household by now. I mean, they can't be that in shock when you're uh, all of a sudden come up MIA, can they? Uh, no, but usually I get out earlier this morning. We had a bunch of deadlines for uh, the international ship brokerage that I help uh, run. So, um, so yeah, I started doing offers at like five forty-five this morning. So it kind of cut into my early, early, t- <laughs> early run time. Yeah. So just uh, challenges on and challenges on all ends. So I thought it'd be fun um, since you it was your idea to come up with the cannonball run for ribs. Um, and, you know, get that going with, uh, old dominion racing and a, a portion of the race registration fees are going towards, uh, Tommy Rivers family ribs. Um, thought it was such a cool thing. I have a team myself and I'm trying to share and spread the love everywhere I possibly can on Instagram, Facebook, and anywhere. Um, cause we got to get more people involved for, uh, for Tommy's awesome family, but tell us a little bit about, you know, where you came up with the idea, how it all got started and, uh, what, what that race is all about. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty awesome. So like I'm, um, I'm 46. So like when I was growing up, there were these movies like called cannibal run. I mean, they were probably a little even older then, but like they had Burt Reynolds in them. And it was like this kind of comedic, like cross country John. And so it was actually the guys at old dominion, Dan and the team there that were like, Hey, we want to do something. Uh, we had this idea, like, would you be interested in it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, I remember those movies and I think it'd be cool to do. Um, and then I've been helping to um, to raise some awareness for Tommy Rivers and his family and just like what he's kind of going through right now with, um, you know, battling cancer and um, the costs that are associated with that, like everyone knows, but also like just taking care of his family. Um since he's, he's got a you know long journey ahead. And, um, so figured, you know, we could help, uh, get people motivated. And I think there's also like in this time, like a lot of events have been canceled. Like I was actually just about to go, uh, to my first like real race in like six months. Um, and it was, uh, called the Kodiak hundred miler out in big bear, California. And, uh, it, got all the COVID permits. Like they did everything right. You know, they had this like great plan in place and then, uh, wildfires just closed all the, all the national parks and, and state parks in California. And so like, um, yeah, there's just been a lot of challenges for people this year. And we figured, um, well, this is an opportunity, the cannonball run to get people motivated for a challenge, uh, running across the country. You can do it as a team. You can do it as an individual, you can run and bike. Um, and the thing I thought that was really cool and unique about this challenge that, uh, some of the other challenges don't have is there's an all trail component. So if you want to log, uh, miles and you're a trail runner and you want to run across the country on trail, that's actually quite hard to do. Like still, like there's not an all dirt way to do that run across the country. You can do like the Appalachian trail. You can do the PCT, you can do the, um, Pacific coast trail, or I'm sorry, PCT or the continental divide trail but there's not one that kind of stretches the, you know, east to west or west to east. Uh, and so I thought, oh, this would be kind of a cool, unique way to um, get trail runners involved in a challenge because most of the challenges are uh, either road or just distance based. And um, I know I did a challenge earlier this year, the Great American 5000. It was like 5000 um, kilometers, like 3100 miles. Um, and some of the days when I'd go for a trail run, you know, I'd be out there for like three hours, but only get in like six miles. And then, you know, there'd be another guy that, 
uh, was on our team that would be knocking out like 17, 18 miles in like an hour and 30 minutes. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, but like I, so it's just, it's just, you know, it, it doesn't bode well if you want to do well in these kind of cross country events and you still want to run trails. Like it just, I noticed myself like just going like, "Ah, I'd rather just go for a 10 mile run in in an hour and 10 minutes or something rather than, um, you know, a five mile trail run in an hour and 50 minutes, you know? And, um, but for my training as a trail runner, that doesn't really help me that much. So I figured like if we could give, you know, trail runners, the option to have their own category, it might be more enticing. And, and I think it'd just be a cool way to cross the country. Yeah. I think it's, it's such a neat concept and I certainly am old enough to remember those movies, uh, with them racing <laughs> in the cars and, you know, trying to get by the state troopers and all the antics that went on. And, uh, you know, the, the neat element too is, uh, you know, like that map feature where you can just see where you are as you're traversing the country, you know, as it puts your results up, um, you know, it does an age grading component of some sort. Cause I was emailing with Dan a little bit back and forth when it first kicked off. Um, and for me, selfishly, it's fun because I couldn't keep pace with your mileage for like five seconds, but adding the bike component in does allow me <laughs> to stay in the mix because I can crank a lot of miles on the bike as well as running. And by alternating every day, I run a ride. Um, I just, it gives me a chance. My legs refreshing, uh, and I don't feel like banged up at all. And I'm able to really push a lot of miles both ways. And it's just, it's so fun. I got a team of, um, eight. We're not all there yet. I'm still like looking at other people that are, are probably going to join us. And to your point, it's super cool. I'd love to get somebody who's just a trail runner. And I had somebody who was just on my uh, show, like two episodes back. She's done rim to rim to rim, I think like eight times. Uh, so I'm recruiting her. And I'm just trying to get some uh, some other really uh, cool folks that will grind the miles and really care about the cause. You know, somebody who really has their intentions focused on uh, on Tommy Ribs and trying to help his family out because they they need it. So it's a wonderful cause, and you know, the more people we can get involved, uh, the more money will ultimately make it make its way to his family, which is important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's kind of like the goal is also like to give somebody like if they're looking for a challenge, but also like I was thinking this could be great for like cross country teams that kind of lost their season or even like, you know, kids soccer teams that, you know, don't have, you know, an outlet. Like you could say like, Hey, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's challenge, you know, the, you know, bears to like, see which team can get across the country or, um, and just a way to have, you know, something to do because a lot of us are, I think, struggling with motivation. And this is, I know when I've done these in the past, like it's, it's powerful to have like a collective of people like pushing towards a goal. Um, and it gets, it gets you out the door. And a lot of times that's the hardest part. No question. Um, wonderful point on the uh, team component. Cause as we all know, athletics at the high school and college level for so many teams are just completely erased and off the board. Um, I saw you were a division one lacrosse player, lax player. I was a division one baseball player. So yeah, the thought of having that taken away from you at that age, as we know, that's really rough. I mean, you know, the kids, um, that have a sport or maybe a couple of sports that they're passionately involved with, you know, that's their big moment to be around the other guys and gals on their team that they compete with and, you know, gets out outside the classroom and just burn off the energy and uh, do that stuff. So that's a great idea. Um, we have to figure out a way to push that message out, you know, via Facebook groups, Instagram groups, just whatever um, to see 
um, about getting some teams involved. And even if money, I mean, it's not a lot of money. I think it's $40 to register. So it isn't a big cost barrier at all. And it is being tracked. So, I mean, the competitive element is absolutely there. If you can see how you're doing amongst your peers and the trail group or the cycling and running group or the running group or whatever, and you see how far along you're doing, it's great. But also, I just love if you can get to, I think it was if you get to three, if you can get to 3,000 miles within six months, then you got like a special extra medal or something else. So I was just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get that. So I'm going to be doing some serious biking (laughs) mileage. As long as uh, the body holds up, I'll just, I'll just keep cranking. And um, yeah, the goal is definitely, let's just keep getting, getting people involved. So good job on that. I'm hoping, Um, I'm hoping. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's, um, it's actually funny. I'm going to do a little photo thing with the guys from it today. Uh, so a little bit later this afternoon. And so, yeah, hopefully we can get some more content out there and just get more awareness about it. Yeah. Well, listen, if they have any ideas, I know, um, Dan's, um, social person reached out to me and just, if they have any ideas at all, like literally anything, I mean, I will, I will push it to everyone I know in my universe um, and just uh, just try to, great. try to get more attention because um, it is, to your point, there's just not going to be any real racing. Definitely, um, I'm so stoked to have you on as an amazing ultra runner. Um, obviously, you have an, an incredible career as a marathoner as well. Um, there's like no distance that you haven't rocked it at. Um, and so that's like super, super inspiring. But I've been just telling all my friends like, Hey, take a look at the ultra world, take a look at the trail world. Cause that's your best chance right now. Um, but it depends, obviously depends on where in the world we're talking about. And I, I know I noticed on your IG page, there are some races internationally that you're looking at that you feel like the protocols look good on. And, uh, you know, hopefully some of those will come together. Hopefully some of them will actually come together and they'll happen because it's, it's a hell of an experience, you know, to step out of the comfort zone of wherever your furthest distance is. I don't care. You may not have even run a marathon to this point. And I've heard you on other shows talk about that because people have this, this incredible misperception that, you know, they've got to be running, you know, 300 miles a week and doing, you know, back to back 30 and 40 miles on, on a weekend to be able to get to say 50 K 50 miles or hundred miles. And I would love for you to talk a little about that. I've heard you talk about that on other podcasts, because I just think people have the wrong idea on like what it's, what it really might take to be able to get into the ultra arena. I mean, I think that's actually something that when I was a younger athlete, like I thought, like I was like, oh, you know, those guys are doing, you know, 300 miles a week, like you said, like running, which is like, basically, you can do that probably. um, But if you do that too often, you're not either going to have the race that you want, or you're going to get hurt. And so like, I'd say most of the people doing ultras are not doing much more training than people that are going to run a marathon, like you know, that's probably anywhere from 40 to 50 miles a week on the very low end to 70 to 150 miles a week on the high end. And I'd say most of the people, like I'd say most of the time I'm in the 70 to a hundred miles per week range. Like this week I was joking when you were like, Oh, you're probably out for a long run this week. I'm going to be running like 131 miles. So like, it will be a big week for me, but I was planning to do a hundred miler. And so my hundred miler got canceled, but I'm running another virtual event where it's called running the L it's a Hoka One One event. And it's, uh, for the Chicago half marathon. So that race got canceled and they started a virtual event where they're 
running all the transit lines of Chicago. And so if you add up all the distances, it's 131 miles and they're like doing it over eight weeks. And I was like, oh, I'll just do it all in one week. And so they're like, okay, cool. And so, um, so yeah, so I thought I had seven days to do it, but really I only have five days to do it because we're going to pick up a, a new puppy this weekend. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's going to be a big week. But, um, but I'd say for the most part, if you're just running, you know, kind of normal marathon training, uh, you can do an ultra, no problem. That's, that's a great answer. And, um, are we adding another Visla to the mix or are we getting another yes. kind of, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, we, we totally are. So it's actually, you know, we're, we're keeping it under wraps now, but yeah, we've told a, a few people, but yeah, it's, it's very exciting. All right. That's cool. I mean, you need a dog that can keep up with you, man. And there are very few breeds that can, can crank the kind of miles. <laughs> Crack the cut of oils that you run, but that's a great, um, that's really helpful information to share. Um, because you know, people just get the wrong idea. They just think right away, they've got to do these extreme things, um, to step into the arena. And it's, it's not necessary. If you're fit enough to be able to run 26 miles, you can absolutely do a 50 K or a 50 miler with a big caveat. Obviously some of these terrains that you run on have just in cra crazy verticals, um, up and down. And if you're not prepared for that, I would say that would probably be the the biggest thing um, for somebody just, you know, stepping their toe in the water for the first time. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great, um, a great observation. I think, um, you know, the amount of vertical it also, it's sometimes it's just um, the amount of exposure can be a little bit um, scary if you're not used to being kind of on like razor edge, like ridge lines or like, you know, technical trails are also, um, kind of a factor. Like we're pretty lucky being on the East coast because all our trails are kind of rocky and rooty, but if you're, you know, used to like some of the plusher trails out in Oregon or, um, California, they get, you know, some kind of nice wide, you know, candy trails, like, um, the, the rocky rooty stuff can be a little bit of, uh, uh, opening. Um, and then, altitude that's usually a big factor for um like i'm a sea level like a flatlander and so like when i go out to colorado or even california or uh parts of different parts of the world like you got to face altitude and um that can be kind of a factor and then um also it's funny i was just texting with a coaching client but um you know the time of the day too it's like sometimes it's just you're if you're doing these longer events most of the races and the U S start in the morning. And so, um, you know, if you're doing a race in Europe or, um, even some of the longer ultras you're running at it, like a time of the day, you might not be used to or comfortable running at. So like, if you do all your training in the morning, you could be running in the afternoon in the heat of the day. And, uh, and then, you know, if you're doing a race over in Europe, a lot of those start at night. So just kind of knowing what you're going to be facing. Um, but it's pretty easy to train for all that stuff. So Europe is for me, you just described it because I'm not that guy that's out there doing those sunrise runs and taking all the pictures. I'm the opposite. People think I'm part vampire because I'm always out running at like midnight or close to midnight. But I just can't, you know, just with everything else going on with work life and my podcast and just other things going on, I just tend to just push the runs or the rides to like later in the day. And in my mind, I keep telling myself I have more recovery because it's, I'm spreading it out, but I don't know. It's probably just <laughs> procrastination and it's just total BS, but um, it does help. I mean, last night I was out running in Central Park and I finished up at damn near midnight, but there's always people out there, you know? And so as long as you got some company, you know, it's all good. Well, um, and uh, like your body doesn't, your body doesn't care when you do it. 
like as long as you do it i mean that's the that's the cool part is like you know if you can you can do the miles when you can do the miles i feel like the biggest thing is just fitting them in absolutely i mean look that's a, that's a challenge um for anybody who is working and isn't retired or um you know maybe like looking for a job or laid off that doesn't have a full uh, open set of hours in the day. I mean, that's always the challenge. And I think that's why a lot of uh, hardcore runners, triathletes, ultra runners, they tend to do it first thing in the morning because they just, they want to knock it out and get it off their plate. And I'm the other way around. I'd rather juggle all the other stuff and get to it later. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Um, Really doesn't matter. And I think that's the other cool part about um, hooking up with groups and, you know, doing some group stuff, which is obviously a little tricky in COVID times. But um, if you're meeting a group, you don't want to let them down, you know? So if if they tell them uh, Mike Wardian's leading the trail run of uh, 50K somewhere, you bet you're not showing up late for that one. I know one thing. I'm I'm showing up on time. I don't want to miss. And then, by the way, you guys might ditch me and leave. And then I'll be like, oh, forget this run now i'll run like five miles instead of 50k so you gotta show you gotta show up and get there right yeah of course man i mean i think there's something something to be said for peer pressure like a uh, good peer pressure like accountability oh yeah like i it was funny because i do i i work out with this guy and, and we both kind of i went to we we got a place at the beach and so i was gone and i was like oh i'm gonna work out without you and i swear i only worked out like three or four times over like three weeks, um, you know, in a gym, just because I didn't like it as much without him, you know, it was like, you know, this guy, Tom and I, and I really love working out with him. And it's just, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much without him. And so like, um, I think having, you know, people in your life that can keep you motivated and keep you accountable is, is really important. And I feel like we're so lucky. Like I know you have, um, you know, a big social media following and I feel lucky that, you know, I have, um, people that are, uh, interested in what I'm doing. And I I feel like it's nice to kind of get that energy from those people too. Oh, I, I think, um, it's a massive blessing and, you know, I have a, a a microscopic following compared to you and, and uh, deservedly. So I'm not traveling around the world, setting records, uh, at so many different things. And, um, I just thought it'd be fun to just dive into a couple of some of the really amazing things that you've done. I mean, since I actually am a six star finisher and, um, was blessed enough to be able to do all six last year in 2019, which only seven people in the world were able to do, um, I thought it'd be fun for you to talk a little about your averaging two thirty one oh nine for your six Avid races. Now, did you do all six of those in the same year? Yeah, I did. I did all six of those in the same year in two thousand, I think sixteen or so. Um, and yeah, I was. I felt the same way. Super lucky that you know I was able to get into all the races. That I was able to stay healthy. That I was didn't have travel issues. Um, you know, I had some challenges where, you know, I almost wasn't able to start the London marathon cause I didn't have the right kid on, you know? So I had to like find someone 10 minutes before the start and get like this special vest and all this stuff. But like, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into, you know, just showing up to six marathons in the same year is a big deal. And then, you know, to be able to execute on you know, most of them and have, you know, pretty good days is, is really important, especially when some of them are kind of like really close together, you know, like back to back or, uh, within a couple of weeks of each other. Uh, it's, it's just a remarkable performance, Mike. Um, just knowing firsthand, like last year for me, the first half, you know, Tokyo, uh, Boston, London, it was three and 48 days. 
Um, the back half was three and 35 days. So yeah, way more compressed in the back half, which basically, you know, you're running every 14 days or every 13 days. And, you know, it's one thing to average 315 like I did. You're throwing down 231, dude. That's completely insane. So you are just ripping it. And um, did you have a lot of spread between your times? I know how consistent you are overall in everything you're doing. Were they were they similar in time? Um, did you have any that were like way faster or you know or you know a, way slower than the two thirty one average, or they were pretty much like tightly packed? Um, they were pretty tightly clustered. Like I'd say, I think my fastest might have been Berlin at two twenty six or two twenty seven. Um, and that was that was actually pretty good because I had you know kind of a it was kind of an interesting trip to to Germany and and like again that race was crazy I almost didn't get in to the right corral and all this kind of stuff and so yeah I was really pumped with how that race went based on you know the challenges of just getting to the start line um, and then I'd say my slowest might have been New York um, and I feel like I wasn't like a hundred percent um feeling good that day and so like i think i ran 234 and i really died on the last like uh coming into the park like you get that long climb i think it's like first avenue maybe or something it's it's, or, fi- it's fifth avenue yeah at like 23 miles you're like oh, i should be done and you're not you're not even close that is a uh, that's the section. It's so funny because I run for Central Park Track Club. So that's my team. And and that's where our organized workouts are. That is the section that I've told everybody. Um, I've been blessed enough to run with a lot of uh, elites that maybe are coming in for the first time. And they'll just know that I'm local and say, hey, would you meet me for a shakeout run? And I'll be like, here, right here. This is going to be your toughest stretch in the race. And like, it doesn't even look like it's a hill. I said, okay, you're right. It doesn't look like a hill on the profile. It doesn't look like a hill looking up the street, but I can guarantee you come Sunday, you're going to nope. be, I'm going to be between your ears and you're going to say, and I'm just saying, don't, I'm not trying to panic anybody or make them nervous, but say that stretch between there to engineer's gate, when you finally turn in to the park right there, that's where yes. you like break the spell. Yeah. When you break the spell there and the crowds go wild, um, you know, you just, they're, they're so deep on both sides of you and the energy just like totally will bring you back. And from that, for the most part, you're rolling to mostly downhill there. You really only have one more real uphill, um, that's around the 25 mile mark before you exit, um, onto like central park South. But it's such a, it's such a bruiser of a course, man. Exactly. It's a bruiser. And then plus you would crush the other five, you know, and you have Berlin and um, Chicago or two weeks apart. So it's not like you're coming in fresh for New York. Like, yeah, let me get, let me get another 226 or a 227 here. So. Well, yeah. And I, and I also ran Marine Corps in between those. Oh, so, yeah. oh sorry. <laughs> yeah. We, we needed to yeah. sandwich that one in there. I love it. But that, that's your back, that's your backyard right there. So that's, um, I'm sure you have a huge presence down there in that, that community. And, uh, what did you, what did you run Marine Corps? I'm afraid to even ask. It's probably going to be crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I think it was probably around that same 227, 228 or something. So yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, it yeah, I don't remember like <laughs> off the top of my head. Unbe- just unbelievable. Um, your um, your powers of recovery are legendary in the in the running community, and um, I just think you know, in some regards, it's I love having an opinion. Most people will never just say what they think, but I just think some people are blessed um, and have an ability to recover better. 
Um, no question, you are doing strength training. I follow your page religiously. I see what you're up to. I know you're doing lots of stuff in that regard. Um, what do you feel is the reason that you're able to bounce back so quickly and be able to handle all the different types of terrains that you race on, elevation, longer distances, and even most importantly, even something as crazy as that 24-hour backyard challenge or whatever, where you were going head to head with the guy in the treadmill. Like I'm just sitting there. I think my head's going to explode. Like, is one of these guys going to stop or are they just going to keep going like forever? So what do you, I mean, what do you, what do you think about all of that? I mean, that's a long question in there, but what do you think leads to your ability to uh, be so strong and recover so well and, and perform so well amongst all these different uh, types of courses, et cetera? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I get this question quite a bit. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I think I feel like I am pretty lucky that that I do have the ability to recover pretty quickly. I think, um, you know, there are some things I do. I feel like I definitely try to keep moving after an after a big event or even between uh, efforts. Like your the thing you were referencing is called the was called the Quarantine Backyard Ultra, and it was it's a basically a last person standing event where you run every hour on the hour four point it's basically 4.177 or something so basically i just ran 4.2 miles because it was making sure that i got the exact miles in um and you just keep doing that until everyone quits basically and um ended up winning that in 262 miles in 63 hours um and so like I think you know the the thing about that and and like you're referencing there there was a you know everyone I think it started with 2,500 people all around the world and it got down to to me and one other person a guy named Radic in um, Czech Czech Republic I think and um, yeah and we battled for like 18 hours just him and I and and then you know I ended up being able to, to, you know, finish the race off and, you know, he had a little bit of an issue and whatever, but, um, but yeah, we, it was it, one of those things where, um, I think mentally I'm pretty strong. Like I'm, I'm, you know, pretty focused and determined person. Once I start something, you know, I kind of really want to see it through and uh, I think that helps, but, um, you know, I think also like the support, you know, I have, uh, you know, family that's really supportive. I have like a good work environment. I have incredible sponsors. Um, and so I think that that's also plays a key into it. And then uh, definitely like the support of the running community. I feel like I'm really blessed that, um, that, that I've, you know, found, found a tribe of people that I uh, admire and, and am lucky enough to be a part of. And, and I think that helps. And as far as like stuff that I do, you know, I, I'm a vegetarian. I, try to, you know, eat really healthy. I try to, like you said, I do strength training. I do, um, I, I try to, you know, stay on top of like my nutrition. Um, I don't really drink, um, which is, you know, just personal preference, but for me, it seems to work. And, um, yeah. And I, I'd say like, I've been working on my sleep. I'm not a particularly awesome sleeper, which actually like worked out really well in that race where you have to run every hour for, you know, until everyone quits. A lot of people struggle like staying up for that long. And, um, yeah, that's something that, you know, is, is kind of in my skill set. Um, and then I, I think I feel like I've done a lot of, you know, solid training consistently for a long number 
of years. And I feel like that's also helped um, me be able to um, draw on those reserves. And then I have, you know, a lot of just um, accumulated knowledge. Like I, I have basically made every mistake that you can make. I'm still making mistakes. Like just this past weekend, I screwed everything up on a FKT I was trying to do. And um, which just basically, if your audience doesn't know, it's like a fastest known time. It's like a self-directed thing. And I just kind of blew it all. Like I did everything wrong, but I've done that like before races, you know, eating the wrong things or uh, during races, like tried to eat what somebody else was eating. And so like, when you have those experiences, like, um, you know, the thing I, yeah, I don't think it's bad to make mistakes. I think, you know, if you continually make the same mistake, I think that's, you know, something that, you know, you got to really look at like why that's happening. And so like, you know, over the years, I've, I've got a good base of knowledge to pull from and, and problem solve. And, and I think that's what's so cool about our sport is if you continue to, um, you know, keep your eyes open and, and continue to be willing to learn it, you can um, progress. And, and if you can help me, like you can achieve incredible things. That's, that's great. Uh, great advice. And there's a lot, there's a lot in there because, you know, as, as most of my audience is, is more marathon based distance. Um, certainly some triathletes, um, there's some obstacle course racers out there that I've come across that, uh, follow my show. And, and certainly I'm getting, you know, more people pulled in from ultra, uh, community and trail and, I just only have one experience myself doing a 50 miler, but I mean, you could not have nailed it any better. I made every possible mistake that you could make. I mean, I just showed up in Ithaca, New York and figured like any other race I'd ever done, I just follow people, right? That's what you're, <laughs> that's what you do as a road racer. And you know, when the guy you're following is like an army ranger who does orienteering courses and he's like 20 something years old, you figure you're in good company, except <laughs> he missed a trail marker and went the wrong way. And you know, we're just like so far off the grid and like so hopelessly you know, lost, you know, trying to make our way back. Like you're not lost, lost. I mean, you understand what I mean. You're in a, you're in a park and you're running around and there's people, but you're not in the race anymore. You're in your own race. And, you know, God knows how long it took us to get back to the main area and like, and retrace our steps, but we were probably a full hour beyond the field. And it was a, it was a 26 mile and a 50 mile race the same day. So, um, it was obvious that there was no way either one of us was ever going to finish the 50 in the time limit because you it's an out and back out and back and it would be too dark and you're running gorges and cliffs and waterfalls and spectacular course but it would not be safe at all even if you had a good headlamp and you knew where you were going it would be really risky um but i did everything wrong on that day including just having morton gels <laughs> like i was doing a marathon and people are like are you taking salt tablets i'm like what salt tablets what, what do i need that for like i, I don't know and, you know, they're, I don't know, maybe 30, 32 miles in, you know, going up these stairs that are like right out of Lord of the Rings, like my forearms are cramping, my toes are cramping, like muscles in my back are cramping. And I'm like, what is happening to me? Like an alien had taken over my body. And, you know, I wouldn't trade one of those experiences for the mistakes because I learned how to read a trail marker. I learned, you know, what you need to do for the next time to your point. Like, you know, that's the way we learn the best is having an experience like that. And, um, my friend Kate Powerty, who actually won the JFK 50 miler two years ago, 
um, and has done a, a ton in ultra as well. And, you know, done a lot of those races over in Europe and, you know, was like 21st in Boston last year. She's, she's just got range and was a pro triathlete as well. And she said to me before I went up there, she goes, if you come down off that mountain, and you don't run 50 miles. I'm never running with you again. It's over. Like totally taken away <laughs> my man car. And Mike, I got to tell you, man, the, the West Point guy, he was injured and wasn't feeling good. And when the race director told him, no, you can't go back out there, I was like bargaining and negotiating. I'm like, listen, man, you got to let me go back out there. I didn't come here to run 30 miles. I got to run 50. And he's like, all right, I'll promise you, I'll let you back out there. When they turn you around, you got to come back because a safety factor. And I said, I got you, man. I got you. And I got back. I was, I don't know, like 42 miles. I ran around in the parking lot for eight more miles. Literally, people were out like toasting marshmallows, <laughs> eating hot dogs. So no official medal, but you better be sure that my Strava says I ran 50.7 or whatever, because I was going over 50. I wasn't taking any chances that I ran 49 point something. And you know, so I redeemed myself in her eyes and uh, I actually lived to fight another day. So we still do some training together and but it was an unofficial um, result. But to me, it meant every bit as much as finishing because I went there to run 50 miles and I did it and it was super cool. But I mean, that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Like you learn, you, your brain will remember that so much more than when, you know, you just do it all right the first time, at least in my opinion, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, well, that's what I keep telling myself when I see those people that just nail it the first time and I'm like... <sighs> Seriously, like, but yeah, no, for sure. Like, I, I feel like there's, uh, there's definitely something to be learned uh, in every experience. And like, I've, I've definitely had races where I've, you know, done really well the first time, and um, that happens too. But that just means you did the prep work to put yourself in a good position, and um, you just executed on the day. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another fun, I mean, of all your crazy amounts of records that you have on your running resume, another super fun thing that a lot of, uh, listeners of my show have expressed an interest in, and I know I have a huge interest in is the seven continents in seven days. Um, yeah. so I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. I know you're also the record holder for that. What was, what was that experience? Like, I mean, I just can't, I mean, talk through the whole thing, just the travel end of it, what you ate, like, did you get any sleep? You know, what were the races like? Like, what, what was that whole experience like for you? Uh, it was amazing. So yeah. So the thing you're talking about is called the world marathon challenge. It's uh, seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Um, and I, I'm actually, I'm lucky. I'm one of the few people that's gotten to do it twice. I did it in 2017 and 2019 and I was able to win it both times. Um, and I averaged, I think two hours and 45 minutes and I have the fastest time ever run in Antarctica. Um, I think the only person to break three hours there so far. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime experience um it's a just organizational masterpiece like it's one of those things where there's so many moving parts um the way that it works is uh there's a guy named richard donovan and he's a irish guy um super cool he came up with the idea for it um he was the first one to kind of put together a group of people to do it um, so he did it himself and then he's like hey this is really cool i should you know, maybe offer this to other people, this experience. And so, uh, the, um, both times I did it, uh, the, in 2017, it was the first year they, they chartered a private plane. And so we had a private plane. It was, 
one plane takes you to Antarctica because it's kind of a special plane to uh, fly in those conditions. And usually you do Antarctica first just because it's the trickiest. So if you tried to go there after, you know, you've done six and then, you know, four days of really bad weather and you can't go to Antarctica, then you kind of messed it up. And so you kind of want to start with Antarctica and, and make sure you have a window to get in. Um, so both times I did it, we started in Antarctica. The first time we went to Chile, uh, then Miami, then Madrid, then Morocco, then Dubai, and then we finished in um, Sydney, Australia. And the second time I did it, we did Antarctica, Cape Town, Cape Town to Perth, to Dubai, to Madrid, to Santiago and Chile, to Miami. And so, um, yeah, it was it was one of those things where you it, it's kind of cool if any of your uh, audience has ever done stage race like you're basically the same people um putting yourself in extreme conditions um and then you know having to perform every day and um and it's not even like some days sometimes you know it's it's it might be two races within 12 hours or something you know so like you know it is kind of like an ultra in the sense that you know you're running a lot of miles i think if you multiply seven by 26.2, you get like 183 miles or 181 miles. Um, so, so you are having like a big, uh, kind of ask of your body. Um, the first time I did it, that was the longest I'd ever done in a week. And so it's funny you say that about your, you know, running around the park. When I finished the first time, uh, we were in Australia and I was so excited, you know, I'd won the race and like 10 minutes later, I, 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 you know, put down my trophy and, uh, talk to my wife. And, and I, she was like, Oh, the Washington post wants to interview. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go run 17 miles to like, uh, get to 200 miles for the week. Um, and so she's like, Oh, you'll be back in like an hour and a half. I was like, no way, man, my legs are trash. I'm going to be back in like three and a half hours or something, you know? So I, I totally, you're coming from when, you know, wanting to do the distance and, um, yeah, it's as far as like sleep, I think the first time I slept like 16 hours in seven days. And I think the second time it might have even been 14 hours or something. So not a lot of sleep for me. I'm just, um, you know, I wasn't super good on the plane sleeping. And then, you know, you get the adrenaline of the racing and then, you know, all of a sudden then, all you know, oh, now it's almost time to race again. And, um, and as far as the food goes, you know, they have like, you know, really nice food on the plane. Um, and then, you know, I was hoping to augment that with food, uh, in the towns, but a lot of times we'd come in the middle of the night and so nothing was open. So I, I was lucky. I just packed a lot of stuff for myself. So I just had like bars and, you know, nuts and stuff like that, but sometimes they take that stuff away from you. So it's kind of like, you have to be like a good athlete, but you also have to just be a good traveler. And, and that means like just accepting things, not going your way. Like, delays with your visa. Like I tried to lose the race by like leaving my passport at one of the checkpoints, you know, so I wouldn't be able to get into the next country and like, you know, all those kind of things creep up, but you know, you just deal with it and you keep moving forward. Wow. I mean, that is, um, you don't even think about that, but basically probably by the time you land at each of these places, you're just getting off the plane and you're just lacing up your sneakers again. And you're, you're basically running another marathon. I mean, which is, 
you know, it sounds so sexy and cool when it's, you know, you're reading about it and you're seeing the pictures <laughs> and it's all, you know, great photography and, you know, these, these super cool places you're rolling into, but man, I guarantee you those people are not like you, Mike. I guarantee you a, a couple of them are probably just like, no, I can't run again. There's no, I can't do it. And you said it's a collective experience. So I guarantee you that the energy of the other people are somebody there was helping some other person who probably was really struggling, or maybe they walked some of it, or even maybe a lot of it, who knows? Because yeah, you know, some, no, no, it's really, it's really powerful. Like just to see people helping each other, people like we were all cheering for each other, you know, it's everyone's in it together and we all want to finish and we want everyone else to finish, you know, and running faster is, is cool. But I mean, it, it's, it's no less, um, it's, it's no less of a incredible achievement if, if you go a little bit slower. And so like, I think those people are, you know, real heroes, like for being out there that long and, and just putting themselves in, in a really difficult, you know, really difficult experience. Um, but getting through it, it's, it's super cool. And, and you all like, you all, you get to see it like there, cause it's really short courses. So you're doing like 10 or 12 laps. So like, you know, I'd pass somebody, you know, 20 times and, you know, see how they're doing. And yeah, it was amazing. That's a, that's a really cool element I hadn't thought of in terms of the course, because they have to make it somewhere they can get to accessible close to where they're landing, you know, because think about all the logistics they got to pull off. My God, it's crazy. Um, in terms of the timing to make sure you actually hit it and you get it done. Um, it's not like you can just say, let's find the coolest park in Australia and we're going to go run over here. <laughs> no, um, that's not, that's not what's going down. So super well, cool. Like, and then also getting permits also mm -hmm. like setting up aid stations also like you know when you have you know 50 people roll out of a plane and they've slept like a couple hours like you don't want them to have to like do a lot of turns like you know so it's really nice you just run down they tell you to turn around you run back and you just keep doing that until they tell you to stop <laughs> like okay i can i can even i can figure that out like, yeah yeah, I'm I'm done I don't now. E I don't even need the army ranger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you mean I'm done now? It's good. Yeah, it kind of makes me think a little because we have all this virtual racing going on now with Boston this week and a little bit of last week and virtual London will be coming up soon and yeah, it's just it's amazing but also like funny as hell to see some of the places people are running and what they put into it and you know for the folks up in Boston that are lucky enough to live on the course that's awesome for them and. If virtual New York, if you could actually rerun the course, it would be sick to be able to run from the Verrazano and do the whole thing, but you can't. I mean, it's just not, it's not real. Um, in certain places, it is real. Um, but I've seen some amazing things, man. People like running around their block, probably well, similar. you know what you could do? I've thought about that. Go ahead. What do you got for me? For New York, you could recreate the original, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The original New York City. So that, that's what I would suggest doing. Like, that would be super cool. Like you just do it in the park, like, and you, the original route, I don't know what the route is, but I'm sure it's probably that 10 K right. Or, or, you know, or close to it. It is. It's, it's the 10 K loop. And, um, I did a big thing. I did it 10 marathons in 10 weeks for charity for frontline healthcare workers. And I actually did three full 
marathons in New York City in Central Park, doing Harlem Hills, doing the whole loop. And I got to tell you, man, that is no that is no picnic, my friend. Um, I know you love your hills, and I know you're strong as hell. But you know, you rock through the first three loops or whatever, and you're 18 in, and you're feeling good. And then somewhere in there, it just comes, man. It's like the kidney shot you're not expecting, or the kick in the you know what part. It's like, oh man, no, not now. I mean, I only got eight miles to go, and then you just feel yourself, you know, starting to yep. to fade. And you know, this and this is solo. This is like Han Solo. Like you know, you're doing your FKT stuff. I know you just did that one crazy one completely on your own, filter your own water, which, you know, you should I definitely got to give you a little floor time on that one. But I'm running in Central Park alone at like 1030 at night. And I'm I'd stash bottles on the bridal path and, you know, having no brains. Okay, you're a smart guy, you know how to figure this logistics stuff out. I never realized like there'll be no lights on cutting through the bridal path at night. I won't be able to see where I put my bottles. And even if I did, the cops are going to like lock me up thinking I probably stashed, you know, something contraband in the park with all the terrorism and COVID-19 <laughs> stuff. So yeah, not a well thought out plan at all, Mike, but I did finish them all. I raised a, a ton of money um, for, to feed healthcare workers. And uh, I, you know, it was, it was exhausting. Um, and I definitely right. <laughs> slowed down from beginning to end, but it was still kind of cool to um, just give myself something to focus on, which is going back to the cannonball run, man, just something to focus on, um, to try to help somebody else uh, in a situation. And, uh, you know, I just think the more we can do stuff like that in these times, you know, the better off, you know, we're all going to be until things get back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I was actually listening to a podcast today. It was like the Rich Roll podcast. And he was talking about, um, he had a monk on that was talking about like self and service. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I mean, that's kind of what uh, I feel like I've been evolving to like doing more with charity. Got like this, you know, cannonball run event, but I'm also like helping raise money for like a couple of weeks ago, I did a, a big run for Lebanon and then team world vision last weekend. And then I'm uh, working on a project with St. Jude's and I feel like why not? Like, why not help out uh, where we can? Like, I feel like the running community is resilient and powerful. And, and it's not just hopefully we can broaden it to, you know, bring more people into to what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's so well said. And um, it just it gives it gives you a great feeling, um, a wonderful feeling and purpose um, in a time when we're all struggling to find something, you know, meaningful and, you know, every day feels like Groundhog Day. You know, you don't know if it's morning, noon or night. Um, you don't know what day of the week it is half the time or even what month it is. So we've all lost our sense of the way time feels. It feels like this year has taken three years or four years, but it's really only been since March, but it doesn't feel like that. Um, I mark it by the Olympic trials because I was one day from getting on a plane to go to Tokyo. I was signed up to do all six again this year because no one had, according to Abbott, nobody had ever done all six two years in a row. So Ooh, I'll never, I'm never going to, yeah, see, I'm never going to touch any of your time records or anything, <laughs> but man, I can, I can grind them. You know, so I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm in all six. I did it. I got a shot. I just got to keep myself healthy. And I was one day from going on the plane and um, I was going way early because such an amazing place, Tokyo, as you know, and I wanted to spend some extra time and, um, you know, get out there on the bullet train and see more of the temples and the villages and more of the history and the more cultural things that I didn't get to do the year prior. And when it canceled, you know, everybody was just freaking out and losing it. And I was just like, all right, there's got to be something I could do. And I'm like, I know, Olympic trials. So I went down to Atlanta and I got to see 
you know, the amazing women and men rocking, rocking it on the course, um, see friends who had qualified in person, you know, be down there for them and just be a cheerleader, you know, be yelling and screaming my head off. And, and those loop courses rock for that. I mean, you know, like if there's, it's rare where you get to see these great athletes coming by you so many times. And I mean, you've run the trials. How many, how many times have you run the trials? Uh, three. Three. Now, were you there this year? Because you might have been there. No, dude. I no, I, I didn't make it, and and then I didn't go. I thought about going, and we had a, a concert that we were really excited about, and it's such a bummer. It was like one of our favorite bands, and I was like, oh, maybe I can fly down afterwards. And so, yeah, I promised my wife I'd go to this concert, and and then it, the concert was terrible. Like I was such a disappointment, and then the race was so good. So yeah, I was I was really really uh, sad that I didn't make it down. Oh, well, I mean, on the good, on the good front, you know, you've had a chance to run and be a part of it twice and, and, and live that athlete experience of being a uh, part of all that. And, and for me to be down there, not as an athlete and just to be, you know, at the race headquarters and see all of that going on with athlete pickups and all the stuff and all the photo opportunities, it was, it was pretty sweet to not be racing the way I would be at one of the majors, but you know, kind of take all that in and just see the energy, the collective energy was just really something. And then obviously on the course was just, you know, crazy, you know, seeing people come by and the course was rough, man. It was, that was a rough course, man. That, that, that profile of those hills just beat, it beat them down, man. It really did. Um, so only the strongest, uh, were able to pull through on that day for sure. Yeah. I, I was, I was impressed with how it looked like, uh, it looked like a lot of people struggled. Like it was, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was not easy, but you know, there people still ran at really incredible times. And, uh, I think we had a great team that was selected and, you know, I hope they get to, you know, show the world what they're capable of next summer. Yeah, me too. I really hope that Tokyo actually comes to fruition. It would be so sad if it didn't. I know there's already talk now that the Tokyo marathon is going to push to the fall, um, that they're going to make an announcement in October. And I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see all these, mar- I mean, I, I mean, come on, we know Boston in April, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You're going to see, you know, so London was smart. They already moved to the fall, you know, Berlin's in the fall. <laughs> what you're going to end up having is, <laughs> could you imagine if there were six marathons in six weeks, you know, all in the fall? I mean, how crazy would that be? You well, know, you would be thought. figured. That's, people said that was going to happen this year. And they're like, oh, this is Wardian's time to shine. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. I I would be all over that. You I were mean, the you were the, literally the very first person on Twitter that everybody was saying, and then I'm the I'm the next old guy that <laughs> everybody would think of. They go, I bet Ron runs NYC is going to do it. I'm like, you man, if I'm in, you better believe <laughs> I'm doing it, man. I don't care. I don't care what has to happen. I'm I'm doing it. But you're absolutely right. There's so many things that have to go right on the travel side. You know, you, people just never they don't realize how much has to go into the planning side just to be able to get on those planes and get over there and get in the hotel and just show up, like you said, and get into your corral and all those other things. So believe me, I knock on wood every day, especially now after what's happened to us this year, a year of like massive reflection, like just how lucky and blessed I was to get to do that. And meet so many new people from around the world. Like now that I've hooked up with on Strava and Instagram and Facebook who now listen to my show. And it's just such a, it's such a cool, cool experience. And, you know, I want to do more, get into the ultra world a little more and make more connections in there because what a, what a community ultra is, um, you know, just from that one race going through those aid stations, 
those people like adopted me, man. They were just like, wait, 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 you hold, come on over here. Hold on. What have you taken so far? Oh no, just Morton gels. No, hold on a minute, man. We'll get you sorted out. I'm like, all right. You know, they're making me snow cones and you know, here's, here's some of this. Have a baked potato with sea salt. I'm like, okay, fine. That sounds good. I'll, 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 I'll rip a baked potato. Yeah, that's good. And they're like, when I would come back, they're like, here he comes again. Here's the crazy guy. I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. So uh, what a, what an experience, you know, for a first time and uh, something, I, I, something I'll never forget, but I've told everyone who's never run a trail race or an ultra, like, wow, you gotta, you gotta get out there and experience that. Cause I mean, I've watched any of these things, you know, you can, I don't want to say watch, but like you can, on Twitter, even like Western States, you know, the feeds. And I remember the year Walmsley made the wrong turn and I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like, could you imagine something like that happening? Have you ever had any crazy experience like that in a race? Like maybe that late where you were winning or like really, um, you know, close to having like something awesome happen and, and have like a massive thing like that go wrong for you? Uh, yeah, I've had that happen like a million times. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, in the lead or you're one of the front runners. Like I've had it where the aid stations haven't been set up. So, you know, you get stranded with like no water. I've had it with uh was winning a race that had like a pretty and you know pretty standard prize purse and you know the people directed me the wrong way um you know and then I actually like fell all the way to like eighth place and then ran back through the field in the last like three or four miles and got all the way back up to second place it was actually the last race that a famous ultra runner named Jeff Rose won um you know in like 2010 or 2011 but yeah I mean um even in like you know, world championship races, like, you know, people go the wrong way. And, um, it's part of trail racing, unfortunately, because, you know, it's always on the runner to know the course, but I feel like that's kind of crazy. If it's like a hundred mile course, like there's no way you can wreck the whole thing. So like, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I've had, you know, I haven't been able to finish like a single loop at Barkley marathons because I keep getting lost. So that's, that's, you know, been a challenge. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you race enough, uh, you'll definitely, you know, make a mistake and end up going the wrong way. I think the worst is when you like run four or five miles down, like a mountain the wrong way. And then you realize when you get to the bottom that you've made a mistake and you have to like hike back up or run back up. Uh, and you just cruise down it in like 45 minutes and you know, it's going to be like two and a half hours back to where you got lost those are the type of things where you're like, Oh, come on. Or like you said, like you follow somebody cause you're like, Oh, this person's been on the course before they must know where they're going. And then you end up like on the wrong trail and you're like, unbelievable. Like, why did I ever, you know, trust somebody else? But like other times, like I've been with, like, I've been in the lead of races. I was in the lead of like the, the North Bay Durance challenge like in 2006 or 2007 and I was feeling great, but I didn't know the course. So I like, I would just get ahead and then I'd have to wait for everyone when we get to a turn because I just didn't know where to go, you know? And so like, you know, I was like, well, I could run the wrong way and just end up on the wrong trail or I could just wait. And so I'd just go to the bathroom and wait and then people would catch up and I'd be like, all right, let's go. And then, um, so yeah, that, that definitely happens, but, um, you know, as you, as you noticed in your ultra, like the more races you do, the more kind of things where you get like a spidey sense almost where you're like, I don't know, this doesn't feel right. 
or like if you haven't seen a marker, I'd say the worst race for that is the hard rock endurance challenge. Like they mark the course, but they intentionally don't give you like confidence markers. So like you really have to like be dialed in where you're looking and then also just trust in like that you're going the right way. Um, and I loved about that race because they're just like, yeah, we're not doing that. Like, you just gotta, like, you just gotta, you gotta trust what you gotta trust yourself. And if you don't, you're going to pay the consequences. And, um, and it's, it's kind of beautiful because when you find it, you're like, yes, man, I knew it. Like, or you're like, oh, darn it. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it just makes you a more resilient runner and, and, gives you like a whole different experience. Right. Um, so th- there's not a lot of, not a lot of hand holding in that event, but I got to say like some of the races do do a really good job and, and they really kind of, uh, help you. Um, especially as you're starting out, like just knowing where to look, um, you know, I've done races where they've marked it. I did a race in Israel where they marked the course in, in white ribbon, which sounded awesome because it was at night, except like a white cloud of fog rolled in and so you couldn't see any of the ribbons and then it got to like 36 degrees and they were like oh so unusual it never gets cold in israel and so like everyone's like getting hypothermic myself included and it was like dumping rain and you couldn't see like pan in front of your face and you couldn't see the markers at all because they were white um and so like sometimes you just get in situations like that where you're just like i got into the aid station i was just like chattering and like they're like you look like you're about to die um and then they did what they they did to you man they're like here eat this have this <laughs> you know get warm and then you know uh, hopefully the clouds will move and then you can go back out um so yeah so that that's kind of the the adventure that you get when you take on some of these things and it's awesome like i i'd say there aren't many times where i've been like ah i'm I'm not happy that I did that. I'm always like looking at the bright side. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great perspective. Um, because man, you know, if you look at it the other way, you're not going to be a very happy person in life. Um, because you know what? I know I was blessed to be able to go out there and try to run that 50 miler. Um, and you know, when I asked my friend Kate, cause I had just finished the first three majors of the year in like two halves, um, had a couple of sub one thirty halves mixed in there, and I said, you know, what do you think? You know, can I can I do this race? And she goes, "Fuck yeah, you can do this race." She goes, "Don't try to wimp out." I go, "What are you talking about, wimp out? I haven't done any training at all." She goes, "You just ran three marathons in like forty something days and two halves. You're totally trained." And I go, "But there's twelve thousand feet elevation." She goes. Don't make any excuses. I don't want to hear it. Show up, do the race. I was like, what? Like I was waiting for her to go, no way. You know, you, you needed to do Stairmaster for three hours for the hill. I was waiting for her to give me all these reasons why I wasn't ready. And she's just like, no, go do it. I was like, okay, I guess I'll go do it. So, you know, like when somebody tells me to do something, I'm just going to do it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, seems like a good friend. Oh, heck yeah. That sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah, because most people, Mike, as you know, would be like, yeah, give yourself a break, rest up and recover. You know what? Honestly, it was cool because instead of worrying about the back three majors, you know, that were coming with Berlin, Chicago, and New York, it just totally took my mind off everything else. I was like, okay, you know, 
And then um, I think you talked about keeping moving after the race at some point, <laughs> either with me earlier or in another show. The next day in Ithaca was like, a, I don't know if it's like a town fair or whatever the heck it was, but it was like a street fair and it was so cool. You know, people, you know, people that have bees, you know, were selling their homemade honey and wines and cheeses and crafts and all this stuff. And I remember getting out of the car and we were like hobbling over there. I was with uh, Gene Dykes, who's run 254 at 70 plus years old and a couple of other um, folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, Gene, a, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah man. He does that too, man. He runs marathons and ultras all the time. Yeah. Well, by the way, Gene is the one who yeah, talked me into awesome. doing, Gene talked me into doing the run. I was at like his house. We were, I went down to visit him and we did the Philly half and we did a couple of runs around his neighborhood and I stayed with him and, and his wife. We had a wonderful weekend and, you know, ran the race and, you know, he says to me, well, you know, you haven't done any ultras yet, so we need to get you signed up. So Gene was the one. He got me to sign up for the, the 50 <laughs> mile in Ithaca. And, you know, so we're like walking around the town and he's like, yeah, this is the best thing for you. You don't want to drive home. Let's just walk around and we'll go do some of this stuff. And he was 100% right. Just like walking around, milling around in the town, being on our feet for a few hours was really good just to get the blood flowing because... Man, those hills beat the beat the crap out of me. It was those steps, man. I wasn't I wasn't prepared for those like Lord of the Rings steps, you know, just like going up a cliff and you know down a cliff. But probably running all those extra miles didn't hurt either. Getting lost, that, that probably was that wasn't good good part of the plan. But yeah, good stuff. So you know, Gene. Of course, everyone knows Gene. Gene Gene's a legend. He is totally a legend. He's got a lot of records that I want when I get older. Oh yeah. He's got, I just saw, I think he just did a post on Facebook yesterday. He's got some insane schedule for next year. It's like, I don't know, a hundred, 150, 200, all these stage races. It's like nine. I don't know what the total mileage was for the races. I just looked at it. I just shook my head and I said, God bless, man. I, I love it. I love it. And I hope that all of those races take place for his perspective. Because I know how much he enjoys uh, not only competing, but also from the ultra perspective, like taking great pictures while he's out there on these courses and all that, which is a fun part that you don't really get in, in marathoning per se. You know, when you get in the, get in your corral for a marathon, you know, you're racing, you're trying to run your fastest time with ultra and you can be out there with your GoPro, your iPhone. I mean, it's just spectacular, man. It's jaw dropping. You know, some of these races, what, what do you, what would you consider to be either your favorite ultra or the most beautiful ultra you've run to, to recommend or a couple, it doesn't have to be one recommend a couple. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely think um, the one I reference, Hard Rock, that that's in the San Juan Mountains of Colorado, a place called Silverton. That's that's probably one of the, my favorite, most beautiful ones. And I remember kind of being like, oh, I can't be as cool as that because everyone says that. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. It's not going to be that great. Uh, and it really is shockingly beautiful. Um, there's a race in Hawaii called the hurt hundred miler in Honolulu. And everyone says like Honolulu is not pretty. It's all just kind of high rises, but, uh, I would, I would suggest that they take a look at that course and, and that, um, it's not easy. It's, 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 it's a hard race. Um, but it's, it's got a lot of beauty. Um, there's a couple races, uh, in Australia in the blue mountains. And that reminded me of the race you were talking about. It's called the ultra trail Australia and it's got a bunch of steps. Um, but the blue mountains are spectacular. It's kind of like a mini grand Canyon esque type thing. Um, there's a race called the ultra trail to Mont Blanc. That's, um, uh, fantastic. Uh, there's actually a race in Germany that I was surprised about how much 
beauty there was. It's called Zootspitz. Um, and it's in a place called like Garmin Patenkirsch, I think, but it has a you know incredible amount of beauty. And then probably one of my favorites is um a race called Tarawara. It's in New Zealand on the North Island. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty magical. And then there's actually some cool um there's a race called Comrades Ultra Marathon in Durban and that one is just kind of a road ultra, but it's and it's not particularly the course has some beauty. You run through a place called the land of 10,000 hills or something. And there's there's quite a bit of beauty there. And then it finishes in a beach town called Durban in um, South Africa. It's kind of a port city. And um, so for me, like being in shipping, that's kind of cool to just see like the port. And um, and it's just, it, it you know, South Africa is one of, you know, Africa in general is pretty spectacular. Um, South Africa is kind of a highlight of that area. And then um, I'd say we have some on the East Coast. JFK 50 miler is really cool and near and dear to my heart. And I've done Leadville and Pikes Peak uh, on the same weekend. And both those are, those, those races are pretty cool. And Western States is always like, you know, one of people's favorites just because it's the original hundred miler. And um, the Western States trail is, is pretty spectacular. And um, I've done a lot of stuff locally in the DC area and, and on the Appalachian trail. And I'd say if, you know, there's not a lot of races on the Appalachian trail, but just getting on the Appalachian trail is, is spiritual. I think like it's, it's got a great vibe and energy to it. And, and there's quite a bit of beauty there. That's a, that's a heck of a list you just put together. <laughs> so I love that. I'm going to have to get um, links to each of those to put in the show notes for sure. And in the Instagram posts that I'll do to promote uh, our pod, because that's, that's great. I know I'm pretty positive Gene did Tarawara. I think that's the place where he said he ran through some cave and there was like giant spiders everywhere. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember, cause I always read his posts and he takes like spectacular photographs. He just carries a little uh, SLR camera with him when he's out there running some of these longer stage ones. And really some of the, some of the photographs have just, you know, taken my breath away. And, um, just some of them are incredibly difficult, you know, in terms of the climbing and all the other stuff, but I'm always so impressed, so impressed from his adventures, but that is a great, great, great list of races. I'm one of them in there definitely caught my attention. I'm trying to think UTMB, my friend Kate has done that. She won JFK. Oh, comrades. That's what it was. So I've had the chance to meet Gerda Stein the last uh, two years coming oh, yeah. into New York city. I, I ran a shakeout with her before her first New York city. And we met again last year. I, I, she, it was another comrades champ was with her, um, from maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And they had this huge delegation of South African runners. And we did a shakeout this year. I don't know, it was like 60 of us running around Central Park the morning before uh, New York City this year. And then we all went out for coffee and Starbucks. But Gerda's awesome. And she's won like two oceans. And now she's won comrades and set the record. And she's going to be running in London. So um, she's someone I, I, yeah. I think of like you. I mean, I, do, I don't think she's really into the ultra world. I mean, more like comrades that kind of ultra maybe not so much the trail stuff but i wonder if she's gonna go into that arena as well because she certainly has the endurance for it and um loves training in the mountains i see all the time with uh her and um pilot dunk that's uh her husband duncan is a pilot they go off on these trips and you know they train in different parts of the world and you know no doubt she's got an affinity and love for the mountains for sure yeah, she's she's pretty awesome. I've uh, had the chance to meet her in the elite area at New York City, and she had a great race, man. She ran so well, and 
she's super strong and yeah, she's super cool. I, I do. I, I imagine she'll be successful in whatever she does. She's, she's got that drive. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, I agree with you a hundred percent there. So question for you, what would, what do you consider tougher mentally if you had to run 24 hours on the treadmill or 24 hours on the track? Uh, I've done, I've done 24 hours on the treadmill. I haven't done 24 hours on the track yet. So I'd say probably on the track, just cause on the treadmill, I could like play video games and like, uh, play chess and like, you know, watch TV. Um, whereas on the track, I'd feel like I was trying to go for a record or something. And so I'd say mentally that would be hard. And then also just to know that you're out there for 24 hours. So like, you're just grinding miles. Um, but it's something I want to do at some point, you know, so like I, I haven't, you know, done that yet, but it is, it is definitely something that's on my to-do list. I love it. So what else, um, what big race or race maybe that you haven't done yet, um, that's out there for you that's exciting or maybe a cool FKT. I know you just had the one this weekend where things kind of went awry, which was a hilarious <laughs> post, by the way. I just love that. Uh, and that's why people enjoy following you because, you know, everybody wants to hear the perfect version of the story of, you know, when it all goes right. But that was just great from, you know, driving to the wrong spot, not getting in the right area, going. It's just like one thing after another. I'm like, yes. All right. So Mike is like us too. You know, we, we all have F-ups, man, because I'm the king of screw it up and like leaving the keys on top of my car and doing 400 other things wrong and be like, wait, where are my keys? I don't understand. How could I have lost them? Well, yeah, this is just the beginning. So do you have a couple of big things maybe, you know, that are like out there for you that you're really uh, thinking about trying to put together and, and to tackle? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me this year is going to try to run across the country and try to set the record for that. Um, trying to beat Pete's, uh, Castellnik's record of like 42 days. Um, so, so that's kind of what I wanted to do this year. And that kind of got derailed by everything that kind of went down. And so, you know, hopefully I'll be able to take that on in 2021. That's kind of a big goal. Um, I'm putting this out in the universe, but I want to run on the moon. So like the more I say it, the more maybe it'll actually happen. So like, that's, that's definitely something I want to do. Um, I was selected to run in the Bigs Backyard Ultra in Tennessee in October, and that's the kind of the last person standing event. And so that'll be hopefully happening, and then that'll be a big opportunity to try to go for a world record. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm, that's possible. I don't know, you know, if I'll have the fitness and health to be able to make that happen. But um, but yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. And then. Um, I don't know if I make it across the country, uh, I, I guess I'll reassess, but my goal would be to run across the U S and then try to run across all the continents. Um, and then that's, uh, that's actually the, the guys from old dominion. So we're going to go do that photo shoot. Oh, <laughs> so. cool. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good cue for us to, uh, to wrap up. But I swear, Mike, I thought you were going to tell me you were going to run back across the country. I thought that's what you were going to say when you uh, made it. Totally, <laughs> totally Forrest Gump it. No, I swear. That, would, that uh, would be awesome. But I think I'd get, I'd get uh, divorced. Like I, I like, I like being married. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to mess with your marriage and your kids and, <laughs> and the Visla and the new one to come. We don't want to mess with that. You got a good, you got a really good thing going. So I have to say, thank you so much. Um, what an absolute treat it was getting to know you better and talk to you about uh, all the stuff that you've got going on and uh, help uh, hopefully promote uh, Cannonball Run and let's get some more people engaged with that. So really, uh, really enjoyed it. 
Um, say uh, hello to Dan for me and the old Dominion crew. Give them my best. All right, man. Will do. And uh, just say peace out, everybody. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, everyone. Always remember to stay in the fight. See you soon. All right. Wow, that was such a fun conversation. I can't say how much I enjoyed sitting down with Mike and getting to know him better. I mean, his following him on Instagram and Facebook and his webpage over the past few years and just um, following his adventures has been <laughs> something that's just really fun and enjoyable. So if you're not already, make sure you follow him on Instagram, on Facebook, on his website, and just uh, tag along on his adventures with him and his, uh, his two cool Wiesla running dogs that tend to join him at times. Mike is uh, an amazing guy and just one of those people who gives back so much to the community and to his sponsors. So it was um, such an honor to have him on. I enjoyed it so much. I hope you all did too. Um, if you did, please take a moment, share it on Instagram stories, share it with your friends, push it out via Facebook or any channels you have to uh, any of your running friends in the community, particularly anybody who might be thinking about getting involved with doing some trail running or ultras. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there if they wanted to um, get involved in that area of the sport, which is uh, probably going to be um, the safest place uh, to venture out and best opportunity to actually get in some some actual legitimate legal races um, until the climate uh, improves with COVID-19. So anyway, thank you all so much for being part of the Run Chats family, for listening to episodes, for sharing kind notes um, with me, um, particularly after my recent bike crash. Um, it's been a pretty traumatic period for me, and hopefully I didn't trip over my words too much on this intro and outro because um, the accident was just a few days ago. So thank you all for me. I greatly appreciate you all being part of this show and this journey with me. Um, so my friends, I always say, keep lacing them up keep getting out that door and always remember to stay in the fight. God bless my friends. See you soon.